Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, uh, today I'm going to talk about a teaching from a text called The Eight Stanzas of Mind Training. The Eight Stanzas of Mind Training by Langri Tangpa. And this is an example of what's called the mind training genre of teachings. And it's, it's a collection of teachings I really like and a collection that is uh, kind of short and easy to understand. And that's, that's what I like about it. So this is the first one of the eight stanzas of mind training. Sometimes it's called the eight verses of training the mind, and it's, it's the same thing. And it's important that these teachings are so short because that means that when we need to reflect on them, it's not incredibly difficult for us to do that. Okay. It's not incredibly difficult because they're short. I can remember, maybe, maybe I can remember this teaching when I need it. So this is the first of the eight stanzas of mind training. Considering that all sentient beings accomplish a supreme purpose superior to the wish-fulfilling jewel, I shall at all times hold them to be very precious. I'm going to read that again. Considering that all sentient beings accomplish a supreme purpose superior to the wish-fulfilling jewel, I shall at all times hold them to be very precious. So, what the heck is going on here? We can think of, and wish-fulfilling jewel can have a lot of meanings, but I'm going to set that aside for a moment and say we're talking about beings, right? We are talking about living things, and especially sentient beings, so beings that can think. In my mind, we're talking about other people. We're talking about other people. We are talking about other people on the one hand, and then the wish-fulfilling jewel. We can see that as our goals, our dreams, but we can also see that as the spiritual journey itself. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this is not about finding great wisdom. I mean, it is, it is, but what we do not want to do is put down our compassion. We don't want to put down our compassion. We don't want our spiritual journey to create a situation where we're moving through life as robots and we're only focused on our spiritual journey and we're losing sight of other people. We want to practice compassion at all times. We want to, the beginning, middle, and end of all of this is compassion, is connection with other people. And we should not lose sight of that because we're studying complex sutras or learning to do very uh, elaborate practices 
sometimes very strange practices, but rather we want to remind ourselves, well, yeah, but this goes back to kindness to others, kindness to others, kindness to ourselves, kindness to others. So it's said that we should regard all beings as, as precious, regardless of whether they are friends, enemies, or strangers. And why would we do this? Well, that's because all beings, all beings accomplish a supreme purpose. And what does that mean? It means everyone you meet has awakening as their true nature. Everyone, everyone you meet, everyone you've heard of, everyone you see has Buddha nature, has the same potential for enlightenment has the same awakened core and basic goodness. And that can be really hard to wrap our heads around sometimes, right? The Buddha was just a person. We're just people. The Buddha could do this thing that he did to attain enlightenment. And so can all of us. So can all of us. Enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment is our true nature. And it's the only reason we don't know that. The only reason we don't manifest is because manifest that is because we are mired in layers of delusion that stop us from having clarity. We are mired in layers of delusion that stop us from having clarity. And that's you and me, and it's also the people we don't like. It's also even, even the people that do really terrible things. They're laboring in delusion. And so what does this do? Well... It can lead us to have a little bit of grace for people, right? And especially like most of us go through life and we don't encounter someone who truly does something truly, really horrifying, right? Most of us go through life and we never meet a son of Sam killer, right? Or a Osama bin Laden. Most of us don't meet the really worst that the world has to offer. And that's an important thing to remember when somebody cuts you off in traffic or something, right? Most of what we encounter is really mild as far as people doing bad things. And that's not to say plenty of people are traumatized and I don't minimize that. I do not seek to minimize that, but that's just to say, let's have some perspective. And the truth is that most of the people in our lives when they, when we judge them, well, we could show them some grace because most of the people in our lives are not doing something completely horrific, right? They're just being rude, cutting people off in traffic, not handling conflict well, right? And we can show grace to those people. We can, especially with the little things, we can remember, well, they're a sentient being and the supreme purposes is a part of who they are too because it's a part of everyone. We all have the same good true nature. And we all share that. And um, if you're someone that is really down on yourself, it can be a struggle too. Cause then you think, Oh, even me, even, even this wretch me, even I have Buddha nature is your true nature as my true nature. Yes. Even you. So we should hold all beings to be precious. And And yes, this can apply to animals too. This can apply to animals too. I'm trying to zero in on people because that's a little bit um, easier for us to understand. It's a little bit harder for us to have compassion for, you know, a spider or an ant or whatever, or 
any or the animals that we might eat, right? But we can definitely learn how to cultivate grace, compassion for people, and we should. So I'm zeroing in on that because it's easier, not because I think that compassion for people is more important than compassion for other beings. I think uh, everything that is alive deserves some kindness. Maybe, maybe things that aren't alive. I don't know. I'll get I'll get back on that later. But I, everything that is alive definitely deserves kindness. But also, we can look at every person we have ever met, and we can know that they have many of the same struggles that we have. Right? We're all growing old. We all get sick. We are all uh, struggling in a pandemic at the time of this recording. We all have to watch people we love grow old and die. Because that happens to every human being on this planet. And some people, sure, some people handle those struggles in ways that are not the best. But I don't think it's deniable that we all have the same struggles. I like to compare it to we are like we are trapped in a burning house. And we're arguing about the furniture. We're trapped in a burning house together and we're arguing about the furniture because we are consistently tearing each other down when the truth is we're in this together and we could strive to see it as in this together too. We could do that. We can do that and we are called to do that. We are called to do that and that that is what's really important. That is what's really important. Compassion comes before the wish-fulfilling jewel. Compassion comes before everything. It's it's foundational. You know? Um, I know that some people, when they see a homeless person begging... They don't feel compassion. And an aspect of that is because it makes us all uncomfortable that there are homeless people in society. But also people will tell themselves the story like, yeah, but that person, you know, that person messed up their life. It's their own fault, blah, 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 blah. And that is not. I don't think that's the right attitude. I don't think that's the right attitude. I think we try to help if we can. We try to help if we can. I um, I've started the habit of taking fresh fruit with me to work and giving it to homeless people when I see them, which isn't always, but I see them sometimes on my way to work, and I think that's um, I feel good about that. I think we feel like we can't do very much, but the truth is, we can all do something. And I, and I think, well, when else do homeless people get fresh fruit? Probably not often, right? So I try to, I try to do that. And, you know, we've all had that experience where someone gets themselves in some kind of bad situation and we don't want to feel compassion for them. Our hearts are not open to that. And I'm here to tell you, The spiritual path involves our hearts always being open or trying, trying, 
that's an intention, not a, not a success, but an intention to always have our hearts open because this world is a crazy place and there's lots of bad things happening around and we can face those with open hearts or we can face those with closed hearts and we're going to solve more problems with open hearts and we're going to help more people and we're going to help ourselves. Strength comes from vulnerability. We've all been kicked in the heart, so it can be really hard to open our hearts sometimes, but it is the best way to live your life. The best way to manifest compassion, wisdom, and even joy. It's just an open heart, a wholehearted living is the way to move through life. So, um, that's it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. And this was the first of the eight verses of training the mind. And I'm going to read it one more time for you. One more time. And I really want you to reflect on it. Okay. Considering that all sentient beings accomplish a supreme purpose superior to the wish fulfilling jewel, I shall at all times hold them to be very precious. It's a good thing to have in mind. Okay. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.